Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Baseball time, turn on the fan. JD's coming on, he's a baseball man. I gotta get the scoop before I drive home from the kid from Queens calling Arlington home. Car pulls up, who can it be? A fresh shell Camino, it's Thad Levine. He rolls down his window and he started to say, It's all about making that kick ass tray. Cause the boys in the front office are always hard. Come talking that trash and they'll pull your car. Knowing nothing in life but to be legit. Don't blow me skin, I ain't said spit. The John Daniels Show is brought to you by Evan Williams Bourbon and BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Ah, uh, yes. Joining us now for his weekly visit is John Daniels, GM of the Texas Rangers. How are you doing today, J.D.? I'm good, Ben. How are you guys? Hey, we're, we're doing really well. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and especially since there's some great Rangers news or fascinating Rangers news as you guys have uh, pulled off a trade. So tell us about the Pete Fairbanks for Nick Solak trade and how it all came together. Yeah, you know, I think it stems from um, really starts from having a really good relationship with the with the Tampa group, a lot of dialogue there. <clears throat> um, back to last really last deadline, we talked a bunch in the off season. You know, they were part of the three way deal with Profar, Brock Burke coming back, and um, and so a lot of dialogue and, and kind of knowing what each club's trying to do and, and who likes who. I was there last week and saw Eric Neander and. You know, they've liked Fairbanks for a while. We've liked Solak for a while. Um, and, um, you know, as things, we talked about a variety of different things. And, um, you know, Fairbanks, not a guy we were looking to move. You know, tremendous story on, on his part. Uh, and our pitching coaches in the minor league and our rehab group, Keith Comstock, Sean Fields, Napoleon Pichardo out in Arizona. I mean, he was a, a senior sign in the draft at a University of Missouri. I think ninth rounder in 15 kind of a, a, a little bit of a generic start to his career, had Tommy John, and to his credit, he goes in and, and tells those guys, hey, I, I know I'm a potential release if I come back the same guy, can you help me? And they, they kind of change his arm action and, and really make some major changes to, to his delivery, uh, and he comes out throwing pellets. He was an 88 to 92 starter, and he came out, you know, 97, 98 reliever with a power slider and shot up through our system this year, got to the big leagues. And we just looked at it like as much as, as you know, we're looking for uh, relievers that have that kind of ability. Uh, definitely, you know, there's there's risk in relievers in general. And, and also, you know, the, the two-time TJ is, adds a little bit of risk. I, I think he's going to be good, but there is some risk there. And then with Solak, you know, just a, a guy that right-hand hitter, you know, we've been looking for to add upper-level right-hand hitters for a while, very left-hand heavy. Um, Big-time baseball gamer, really good feel to hit, really good approach, has some power, and uh, just like like the uh, options that he provides for us. So it was it was a value for value deal, and and um, I think it helps both clubs, and both clubs hurts a little bit too. Yeah, you know that's an interesting aspect of it to me, John. Is this whole idea that you guys are both vying for a wild card spot, but you got to see what's happening now as well as what's happening in the future. So I got a twofold question here. Number one. 
Do you think they view Fairbanks? I mean, he's pitched a little bit with the, the major league team for you guys. Do you think they view Fairbanks as a guy that helps them immediately with the big league club? And then where do you guys kind of see uh, Solak ending up ideally? I, I do think that they think Fairbanks can help them in 19. Um, I think that, you know, they sent him down. They optioned him to Durham, so he's not going to start in Tampa. Might get, you know, I think if, as they're looking at it, they said, listen, some clubs might ask for a Nick Solak if we ask for their you know, relieve, they're going to be looking for bullpen help here at the end of the month. And if we ask for, you know, a team asks for Solak for a guy that has, you know, a couple months control or a year and a half control, and they'd rather trade him for the extended control that that, that Fairbanks has, contractual control, and, you know, and, and and take, you know, whatever risk there is that he hasn't pitched an extended period of time in the big league. So I, I think it makes sense from their standpoint what they're trying to do. And for us with Nick, like, he's going to play – probably 90% of the time in Nashville at second base. Um, he played outfield in college first two years, and then he went to second base his junior year. So he's actually a natural outfielder that has been working to convert to the infield. Um, and it's, you know, he works hard. Uh, he, it's not, it wasn't, you know, some transitions are super natural and easy. Uh, he's, he's getting better there. I think he's close to average now, but it hasn't been like, you know, a, a real – uh, easy transition uh, like some guys make. Um, but So we're going to really work him there at second base and see what he can do and then see where it goes from there. Obviously, we get, we have a second baseman in, in Ruge, Um But, you know, competition's a good thing. Right-hand bats that, that can do different things, both second base and the outfield are, are hard to come by. And, um, you know, we, we like how he has a chance to balance our lineup going forward. Obviously, uh, jumping on with us every week is a chance to kind of visit with the, the way the front office is thinking and, and try to relay those messages to, to fans. And so I want to ask you something here, and, the, and and you can shoot it down immediately. You just addressed it in, in part. But so the fan reaction to this deal is, ooh-wee, okay, the organization is sending a message to Rugnet Odor. Um, is that the case, or is it just not so really much about that? No, it's not, it's not about messages. I mean – you know, we've, we've spoken to Ruggie, um, and, uh, you know, we told him early on that, um, you know, kind of t- some areas that he can look to make some adjustments, and to his credit, he's been working there, and he has played better. Um, but, you know, we told him that, listen, this was not going to be a situation where if, if uh, you know, he's struggling, we're going to look to send him down. We're going to, you know, more, I think he's past that point in his career where he's got to be able to, to kind of get on track here. Um, but if that you know if there are other options uh, that are helping the team better that you know it would be playing time that that could come into focus. So I mean I think he understands that. I don't. That's not what he wants to hear. He wants to play every day, obviously. But you know that that's uh, that's the nature of the beast. At some point here, if if somebody else is a, is a you know better option and, and Ruggi is not turning the corner like it looks like he has been the last few weeks, then you know we'll we'll look that direction. We'll consider that. John Daniels joining us on the Ben and Skin Show. Please, in no way is this an overreaction, but I do think there's a curious last two or three weeks with Mike Miner, so I'd like to kind of just get your opinion on this. First of all, there's, uh, you know, what was or wasn't going to happen with the All-Star game. And then there was also the weird thing, John, which it's just kind of hard to to plan for, but what happened with Tyler Skaggs, and then that kind of threw things off, and then he didn't have a great performance the following night. And then there's the weird timing of the All-Star game, and he's not playing in that, and then he comes back and, and doesn't have a particularly sharp performance. So in your estimation, what is happening uh, with Mike Miner over the course of the last two weeks, if anything in particular? Actually, Skin, I think you just summed it up 
pretty well. I think it's just a series of of uh, you know kind of unconnected events that have led to a bit of a choppy schedule for them. And you know, guys are starters in particular are such uh, creatures of habit and a routine. Mike is so diligent as far as a worker and, and kind of what he does to prepare himself. He's, I mean, he's probably our, our hardest worker, certainly in the discussion. Um, maybe up there with a lot of the position players, the way the way he keeps himself in shape and gets after it. And I just think, you know, when you you, you know the situation with the Angels game was obviously tragic, and this is a you know byproduct, and you know nobody's complaining about it, of course, but it did does throw him off a little bit. And then, and even the game he pitched was. You know, it was surreal that night, and and um, you know, not, not kind of a traditional environment. We had we had been talking with him even before that about you know maybe skipping a start, um, and uh, kind of decided to do it at that point. Um, the All Star break, the uh, you know, and then and then coming back. So uh, I actually thought he settled in pretty well after the second inning the other night. Um, you know, looked a little rusty command wise at first, but. You know, got a bunch of punch outs after that, and and was able to pitch around some base runners. And you know, my my expectation is the you know he'll he'll kind of get back to where he was. But it it's nothing more than you you describe, just kind of a an awkward couple of weeks from a scheduling standpoint. That you know I I think maybe threw him off a little bit. And if the you know worst result of that is you know five innings, three runs, seven punch outs, that's that's not too bad for having your schedule thrown off. So we've we've been talking about this a lot on our show, and I know a lot of the media has been talking about this, uh, JD, and that uh, okay, this stretch out of the break, this is a chance for the front office to evaluate where this team is. Are you going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? And it seems like your job would be made much easier if the answer was definitive in either direction. Like okay, clearly you're sellers, or clearly you're buyers, or what have you. But if the team continues to play like they did in this series, where there was a lot of good, but it's it, you know it's 500 for for a series, it's going to make things extra difficult on you, I would imagine. Uh, and so, in your mind, I'm not asking you to share this with us, but do you have a number of games back that you guys would need to be to stay in it, or is it possible that somebody overwhelms you with such an offer that they make these that decision easier on their end? Yeah, it, it, I mean, listen. The, that they all play a role. There's no like trigger point that we've got to get to where it's you know we're plus or minus, and that's going to determine our our uh, trade deadline stance. I mean, and listen, like you you don't make decisions on July 31st. I mean, the, the conversations are ongoing. Um, you know, and and you know, I think kind of talked with the beat writers the other day. I mean, I just think it's we're looking for value, and we're looking to kind of move the entire thing forward. Um, you know, we're probably not looking to trade, you know, big league guys for, you know, guys in, in rookie ball. I mean, that, you know, we're probably not looking to do that, but and we're probably not looking to trade our best young prospects for rentals. But I think just about anything in between is a consideration, you know. And um, but we'll, we'll factor out obviously how the team's playing in addition to you know where we are in the standings. We'll play big roles, but so will, you know, with the with the value of the deals that are possibly out there so the the conversations we're having with clubs right now are all all over the board and i don't think we're the only team in that in that category bassick brought up an interesting topic that maybe take think of a lot of different things when we were talking to him when we were doing the the shift change earlier and i was thinking about it and he brought it up in regards to mike minor but i I immediately thought of sam dyson how you identified that obviously you know a lot of different teams could have had lynn for a certain amount of money and they passed 
when you guys are looking for players on other teams that may be a fit here, that maybe aren't reaching their full potential somewhere else or are utilized in a role that you guys see differently, is there a core thing that you sort of look for in identifying some of these guys that end up here and then really flourish here? Uh, there's different. I mean, each each one of those three cases were, were very different in kind of what we, you know, what we looked at. Um, you know, Dyson was kind of a, were some pitch characteristics off his sinker that were really, really unique. Um, that, you know, our analytics department played a huge role in that one. Um, you know, Miner was kind of just really putting the whole puzzle together, getting to know him, talking to the guys around him in Kansas City. Just seemed like, you know, this, it was obviously a risk moving him into the rotation, but, you know, just seemed like all the ingredients were there. And then Lynn was a guy that, kind of like what you said, I think we went in, um, it was interesting that, that we actually thought he was a little undervalued, and then we got kind of some heat for signing him that we signed him for too much. You know, that was a bad deal on our part. And I think that was one where just kind of like market forces, and we just we evaluated a certain way, and, and um, you know, he's rewarded us so far. Well, uh, congratulations on uh, on what's been a great season to this point and a lot of interesting discussions based on some rock-solid work by the front office. So we're excited about the future. We're excited about watching baseball and air conditioning. What's that been like for you to look across the street and see that uh, beautiful new stadium coming together? Oh, man, it's been fun. It's been fun. I know a couple of our guys went and, and toured uh, over there with, with our business folks the other day, um, going down to where the clubhouse is. You can start actually kind of telling where things are supposed to be and, and go and uh, it's cool. I mean, we, we've taken a, a little bit of a break in, in terms of some of the the planning, but I know that's that's picking up again here. Is you know picking out some some stuff for the offices, and um, you know it's going to be kind of chaotic moving over there because our, our timeline. And then we're going to look to move the first like couple weeks of February, and then we're going on to spring training. So we're going to have to come back and kind of shift and, and move in with the clubhouse and the you know clubhouse guys and strength coaches and and medical guys and it'll be a little crazy uh, you know kind of operating spring training getting that all set up and, and getting the new ballpark set up but it's gonna be a lot of fun well we're gonna send over a nice frame picture of myself and skin for you for your yeah. office something nice real nice just to put behind your desk just a huge got, mural got a spot all picked out for it <laughs> right, thanks a lot jd we appreciate it thanks guys there he goes why why if you why? have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why? a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why, why? good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion 